All right. I believe we are live. Welcome, everyone. This is the promotional practice live chat for, let's see, Wednesday the 9th, 2015. Um, it's super, it's like a library in here, and I'm talking, so I apologize for that. Uh, today on the podcast, we'll talk about, let's see, UFC 205. Um, I am certain that the election will come up to some capacity. Um, and the uh, issues with John Jones. Best way to get those questions in, of course, is on MMAfighting.com. You know what? There we go. That's better. On MMAfighting.com. And um, on Twitter, you can use the hashtag chat rappers. So if you'd like to do that, I'd be happy to take them. I'm here in the Madison Square Garden media room, as you can see. Uh, it's a little empty right now because over there, uh, all the fighters except the main event and actually all the three title fights. No one is out there, but the rest of the card, everyone is out there. So um, got a chance to speak to Yoel Romero, got a chance to speak to Habib Nurmagomedov, got a chance to speak to Frankie Edgar, um, and got a chance to speak to Raquel Pennington. So everyone else is out there, um, but the lines are long. You got to get in where you can get in. So I'm um, happy to talk about any of those experiences and the like. All right. Oops. Apparently no one can see that. That's awesome. Okay, let's see. There we go. Now I think people are streaming in. Okay, we're up. So if you're just joining us, again, uh, I'm in the media center in Madison Square Garden for the media day for UFC 205. Um, none of the fighters who are belt holders or in-belt contests um, are out there, but everyone else is. I got a chance to speak to a few of them. So happy to talk about that. Happy to talk about anyone uh, else as well. Um, and UFC 205 and yada, yada, yada. You guys know how this works. So let's kick this off. Let's go to the first question if we can. All right. Let's see. Okay. First question. I actually asked, uh, actually asked Habib about this one as well. He says, Tony, I said, this person writes, Tony Ferguson, wow. Um, did Ferguson just become the scariest dude in that division, or did he just have a good night? Were you surprised that he was walking through RDA's best shots, and what's next for him? Okay, so a couple of things. I actually asked um, Habib about this, and his response was basically, he doesn't care. <laughs> uh, wasn't impressed. He said that Dos Anjos fought, like, stupidly stayed in range the whole time and got jabbed to death. And uh, I think the word he used was, you can't fight Tony that way. You have to flatten him. I think that's, I think that's what he said. Um, so he didn't seem particularly impressed. And then I was like, well, you know, look, he jumped up in the rankings to which he replied, rankings are BS um, predictably. And then sort of asked like, does that make him number one contender? And he was like, you know, whatever nine fight win streak he's on, is not the same as my 23 or 25, 24 fight win streak. Right. So, um, he didn't, he did not appear to be particularly impressed by it for what it's worth. So take that. Okay. In terms of me, I was very impressed by it. Now I think that Nurmagomedov makes a point that I don't know that Dos Anjos fought the best fight, but if you watch the Monday morning analyst, the offensive creativity was simply overwhelming. It was, he just had no answer for it, especially as the fight wore on. He had fewer and fewer answers. Um, he, his game got away from him. 
the game of Ferguson picked up. Um, you know, uh, there were moments where Tony was coming forward and he got caught or he was stationary, he got caught. But to the extent he was in motion angrily or, you know, just sort of varying it up, he was impossible to deal with, um, at least for RDA that night. So, I mean, I think there's fair criticisms to make of that, but. You know, I, I, people were wondering what the title of the Monday Morning Analyst, like, where does it come from? It came from an interview I did with Eddie Bravo, where he called Tony the future of fighting. And I'm not saying Tony doesn't have mistakes that he makes. Again, if you watch the Monday Morning Analyst, you saw how many times he would overcommit on something and then would be wide open. Uh, RDA never got the chance to take advantage of all of those, but they exist. Um, but for me, the, the issue is... Ultimately, actually, I'm going to put that back in. I kind of like that back in a little bit there. There we go. Ultimately, the issue is um, can someone like Nurmagomedov wrestle him for 25 minutes? I, I continue to have my doubts about that. Can someone like uh, McGregor hurt him? Of course. Um, enough to put him away, maybe. Uh, but I just feel like switching stances through combinations, you know, Imanari rolling just to keep someone off balance. Like these are the kinds of things that, like, to the extent you can make a fluid game out of it, and he did, you're, you're going to be hard to beat. You're going to be really hard to beat. You can see all the people walking around. Um, so I was very impressed by him. And if they gave him a title shot, I don't think that would be crazy. I mean, I, you guys know, you know, I think if you get two bout agreements and you beat Michael Johnson, the one guy that beat Tony Ferguson however long ago it was, it's just going to be hard to convince Habib otherwise. But I wouldn't be mad at, I wouldn't be mad at that. Uh, okay. <laughs> Someone has a Steve Harvey meme in the comments. The winner is Hillary Clinton. That's funny. Uh, let's see. About the Simpsons predicting the rise of Trump, which they did. Okay, nobody has really discussed the potential pay-per-view buy rate for UFC 205. Do you think this card surpasses 2 million buys? I don't. But I don't think it's impossible. Um, it is certainly within the realm of possibility. Unlikely, but possible. Let me just see if my boss is telling me something's fucked up. No, it's good. Um, I'd be a little surprised if it hit 2 million, to be honest. But, you know, could it break records? Sure. Could it break 2 million? Sure. Like, anything's really possible with, with what's happening here. And people were asking me, I'll get to it later, but someone was asking, like, what, how does this feel different than UFC 200? And in many ways, it doesn't. In many ways, it a fight of this magnitude is going to, you know, uh, the event of this magnitude anyway is going to feel like an event of similar magnitude. Like there are some overlap there, but there's some overlap there. But um, there is definitely a bigger energy here for sure. You can feel it, man. It's hard to explain, but if you go to a city and the city is ready for something and the population's ready for something and there's just a buzz and things just have a natural flow to them, UFC 200 had a weird flow. And then, of course, when the John Jones news hit, everything just got turned upside down. But um, the rhythm, the pace of everything, like even small stuff, like Conor McGregor going shooting hoops and he made his first shot. Like, I don't know. There's just a natural evenness to it. And when you get things like that, it, it can really, it, it just, you know, you see advertising all around the city. And then uh, I had a lot of people come up to me in various parts of the city who who, who watched MMA Beat or this podcast or um, listen to the radio show and, and told me they were here for the fights, and um, it's just it, it, it just feels like, you know, I don't want to say UFC's taken over New York. New York's a little too big for that, but 
they're here and they're not invisible. And I can tell you, I've gone to a lot of towns where it was just invisible that the fight, you didn't, you didn't know that the fight was happening there. Uh, that is definitely not the case here. Not even a little bit. It is, it is alive and well. Um, people know about it. People are excited about it. People have come for it. Um, it this, this is the big one. This is the big one. And to your point, could that make it mean it could pass 2 million buys? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. I don't find that necessarily likely, but I'm definitely not in the business of ruling that out. Okay, Alexa Grasso. <clears throat> you briefly gave your thoughts on your post-event video, but what are your thoughts on Alexa Grasso's win? How far do you think she can go? Who should she fight next? Torres, Morose, Calderwood, Van Zant, Waterson, winner. Okay. Um, how far do you think she can go? I, I think she's championship material. Um, not right now, but I, I believe that that's the kind of like level of talent we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who has an extraordinary amount of skill um, and a great foundation upon which to build. Um, as I noted, the Monday morning analyst, this is not some striker where you're like, man, when her takedown defense gets good, she's going to be a nightmare. Like, it's already good. It's already good to defending wrestling. It's already good in uh, defensive movement in the clinch, of escaping bad positions in the clinch. You notice how good she was at getting her back off the fence. Right. And then in the meantime, crashing elbows into your jaw. Like she's she is a well schooled fighter. It's still in developmental stages in terms of like her overall peak, but um yeah, she is she is a force to be reckoned with. Um so we'll see how her development goes. In terms of her next fight, the Torres fight, I don't know. Morose I kinda like because Morose is the, kind of the opposite of her. Like Morose has some skill. Morose has some skill, but she is um wild and takes crazy risks and i think generally she would lose to someone like alexa grasso but she might provide an interesting challenge in ways that other you know others can't there you go everything okay over there everything okay over there all right pardon me someone's asking now um about irene aldana irene aldana and now that Grasso has debuted in the UFC, should they sign uh, Irene Aldana? They did. She's going to fight um, 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 the. She's involved with the unions. Um, oh, Leslie Smith. That's right. That's coming up soon, so that should be good. That's a tough fight for uh, Leslie Smith too. A good one. Um, Aldana, I don't think is quite the technician that Grasso is, but she is a little bit more of a brute force. And that'll be fun when she meets up with Leslie Smith. That'll be good. All right, let's see. <laughs> this is a funny question. Uh, Luke Rocco lost his title earlier this year, but made a comment that he was equally pissed off about who he lost it to, in this case, Bisping. Is Luke Rockhold one of the few MMA fighters who can relate to <laughs> Hillary's loss last night and who she lost to? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to ask Luke Rockhold. And I have not had a chance to hear him. You know, I'm gonna plug this in here. Hang on. Check, check. Let's see. Check, check, check. There we go. Uh, I haven't had a chance to ask him, but I would assume that there might be some overlap to that. Uh, yeah, losing to Trump is, uh, I can imagine, for Clinton, not really that the sting of the loss or the surprise of it. But that she lost to a guy who bragged to Billy Bush that he could grab women 
Brother, <laughs> brother genitalia. So that that probably stings a little. Um, not like any presidential loss would be easy to take, but to your point, there might be some overlap there. That's funny. That's a funny question. All right. Okay, rapid fire. Would you rather? Uh, briefly, thoughts on Trump. He is the next president of the United States. If you and every other MMA journalist walked into a dark alley, who walks out? Well, the answer is me. Okay, now, would you rather A, have CM Punk teach you how to wrestle two hours a day for the rest of your life, or B, listen to Face the Pain on repeat for two hours a week for the rest of your life? I'd rather wrestle with CM Punk. Okay, would you rather listen to Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz trash talk, or be submitted by CM Punk three consecutive times in a BJJ attorney. Definitely the former. I'll listen to the trash talk. Uh, would you rather have to listen to people say Connor has cleaned out featherweight or listen to Dana say GSP doesn't want to fight? Oof. <laughs> uh, the latter, because the former is just so absurd. It was absurd too, but it's really absurd. I mean, you got zero title defenses and you've cleaned up featherweight. Like, you have to be just a true Conor McGregor fan to believe that or willfully ignorant. There's just no in between. It's, it's, it's a non-argument. It's not up for debate. It's not up for debate. Um, okay, and then lastly, he says, would you rather be KO'd stiff by Mark, Rem Mark Remundi or have Mark Remundi educate you about being a true New Yorker? Uh, oof. I'd rather do the uh, yeah. former, I guess. And as you see, there's going to be people walking around behind me. I'm just going to live with it, y'all. Okay, where were you when you found out Trump is the new president? All right, I'm only going to do a few of these, and we're going to move on from Trump. Uh, let's see, where was I? I was in a hotel room by myself last night. Um, like many other foolish East Coast uh, liberals had expected the polls to relatively bear out what was going to happen. And of course, all of them were disastrously wrong, including the guy who was work I had to be a big supporter of, Sam Wong, but neither here nor there. But I have to tell you, I wasn't... Um, you guys know I hate that guy who, like, every time you post news about something, like, oh, so-and-so happened to so-and-so, and they'll be like, are we really surprised by this? And you're always like, well, A, yes. B, even if you're not, like, surprise is not the sum total of analysis you give a situation. However, here's what I would say. The, the polling has been bad in 2016 worldwide on a number of issues, you know, uh, long before Brexit. But let's just sort of take that as a, for the West anyway, a big example. They're really bad. And uh, and that was shocking, but it's like, ah, you know, maybe it's relatively isolated. Maybe it's just a, a thing that won't necessarily have the same sort of core of it, won't have a, any other issues to follow. Um, or it won't, it won't, other situations won't find similar repetitions of it. And then for me, the big change was the yes, no vote in Colombia on, uh, making a deep, making peace with the FARC, because you looked at the polling for that, it was hitting upwards of almost 70% approval, 70. Now in places where Clinton was leading in the, some of these wing states, she was never hitting, like there was never anyone who was, I mean, there may have been these polls like oh, our model estimates it at 70 or so percent, but that's different from, you know, to what extent is their support for a particular policy? And they were all wrong. Now, it turns out that the approval might have been right in terms of the 
Colombian sentiment towards the yes vote, but they just didn't get out and vote. Relatively similar to what happened here, actually. It turns out that like places like Wisconsin, Clinton did about as good as, uh, or I should say, uh, Romney did about as well as Trump did, more more or less the same. But uh, you know, Clinton just didn't pull out the vote like she needed to. In any case, I have to say, so the first hour or two, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is uh, this is surprising. But then. After I began to think about Brexit and I began to think about uh, what happened in Colombia, I was like, you can't, you just can't be surprised anymore. You just can't be surprised. So at that point, I was like, well, that's that. And uh, I actually started to watch ESPN and uh, sort of kept my Twitter feed up, but that's about it. All right. Okay. Jones versus Cormier, too. If Nevada does what they usually do, and give Jones a further su suspension. Will we ever see the Jones? We ever see Jones fight Cormier again? I really don't know. If they give him a two-year suspension, which is entirely possible, that is in no way some kind of outlier potentiality. That is a very real one. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. Do you guys see Dana White's comments about this? I actually thought they were pretty spot on. I mean, the amount of money he's lost and the opportunity cost of it all, like what it could be versus what it is, be it with sponsors or cultural significance or being here today, or you just think about all the things that were given up. Yeah, he's achieved a tremendous amount already, but the inactivity and the, the age, and he's like his best years, his best years. You know, and to think that like, we thought it was all gonna be okay after he got out of handcuffs before the rematch at UFC 200, to now this, it's just another time. You can almost can't believe it. And then you're like, <laughs> you know what? I can, I really can. I hate to admit it, but I can believe it. And I don't know that, frankly, even this is the end, to be honest. I hope it is, you know, oh, learned his lesson. Okay, maybe you did, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what the answer to that is. You know, maybe you do, but. Um, a, a a second fight between Jones and Cormier is absolutely in no way, shape, or form a given. Not at all. We'll see. We shall see. Um, okay. This sort of follows along in a similar vein. Luke, what did you make of the arbitration panel's report on the Jones-USADA case? Particularly concerning are the additional substances found in the drugs but not in Jones's tests. Don't just further disclose his consumption of the drug and the inconsistencies in Jones's stories about how his teammates got the drug. Do you think the NSC will latch onto these findings and throw the book at John instead of accepting USADA's one-year ban? Well, it's not merely accepting or not accepting. They're going to basically ignore it. They're just going to do their own system of uh, their own adjudication process. You know, it's not a matter of like, is there this chain of events where they either look at it and accept it or don't. It's, I mean, they might take it into account, but it's not, it's not some uh, point of evidence upon which their decision hinges. So, with that said, um, look, on the one hand, I think one of my ideas is that, like, as I just mentioned, like, just his inability to manage risk in his life is um, crazy. It's crazy that he can't manage risk like that. You know, and he has more risk to manage than you or I. Um, but there are other people in similar positions that somehow find a way to do it. 
There are crazy people. Um, there you go. Um, so on the one hand, I don't have any sympathy for him. Right? On the one hand, it's just like, dude, if you, I mean, here we are again, you know, the fact that you didn't get leniency, I, I suppose there's a measure of that that I am surprised by, but um, on the other hand, I'm not surprised by it at all. Hold on, there are some crazy people here. Um, and and I think, frankly, he, whatever he got is something he just simply has to atone for and just pay the price. And if it ends up costing him in ways that are quite severe, then, then that's just what it is. I don't, you know. How many times can you say this guy's been mistreated like he hasn't? On the other hand, I think there's an argument to make that, you know, if you're finding that there's no wrongdoing willfully and that there is no negligence as it relates to sports performance enhancement, there's a question of on what grounds are you really keeping the full punishment in place? Like there's no mitigating circumstances here? No. According to them, no. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I don't care. But again, I don't care. Like the fact that they spent it in a year is like, dude, what are you really supposed to say at this point? You know? Yeah. You just have to eat it. At the same time, though, I just sort of wonder out loud that um, if you're agreeing that he didn't cheat, which is what they said, and you're agreeing that he took these substances unknowingly, and you're agreeing there's no real sports performance enhancement context to this conversation, I don't care so much about John's situation, but I wonder what it could mean for someone else. Now, maybe, again, it's because of John's other actions or his, as they use it, his pungent description of the word dick pills. I don't know. It's he's such a mess. Um, what can you really say about it anymore? I kind of just, I kind of just, almost part of me kind of wants it to go away, just so we can stop talking about it because it's just so old. Okay. In Jacek versus Kovalkiewicz, do you give Kovalkiewicz any chance in this fight? When you say any chance, I'm not sure what you mean. Um, if so, how could she win? If not, will you and Jacek be able to finish her? So my thought is basically like if they fight at distance, the answer is no. There's nothing that can really reasonably be done. If they fight in the clinch, that's where I'm paying attention. I think that's where we're looking at this and we're sort of wondering, maybe there's something there. Um, they look about evenly sized. Uh, maybe Jacek's a bit of a better athlete and has better conditioning. She's certainly much more skilled as a striker, especially on the outside. Um, you can just sort of see the fluidity and the hand speed is really there for her. But on that inside space, I don't know. I don't know about that inside space. I really wonder if to what extent she can mix it up there like she did against Nama Yunus. I'm not saying Nama Yunus is in any way the same as Ian Jacek, but nevertheless, um, it'll be curious to see how the fight plays out there to the extent that it does. But beyond that, I don't know. If she, I mean, if she can't win there, you know, I don't know. I don't know where she can win frankly. But that doesn't mean I'm not looking forward to it. And I have to tell you at the uh, at the event today, she was she was uh, very well received. Very well received. It's crazy, right? It's fun, man. It's a fun little vibe going on here. I'm telling you. A lot of energy for this one. Habib had a hat on or a, let me see if I got the picture here. I'll show you. He had a hood on like a like dart, like a Sith Lord. Let's see. Here it is. It's 
See that? He's doing interviews like that the whole day. Pretty crazy. Okay. True or false? McGregor versus Joe Duffy never happens. You mean the rematch? I'll say true. Holloway beats Pettis and another opponent after him and still doesn't get a title shot. False. Ferguson style of fighting is the future of MMA. I think a lot of that is true. Yes. Habib doesn't want... What does it say? Habib doesn't get a title shot if he beats Johnson and leaves the UFC or retires. I don't think so, but we'll see. He seemed to be in better a better mood today. If Romero is to beat Weidman, there will be some sort of controversy involved. Uh, no. No, I don't think so. If he loses, maybe, but not if he wins. No, I don't think so. Uh, let's see. Look, how do you feel about Tony Ferguson saying you turned your back on him? He said it in an interview in a podcast recently. Let me find the link, and it's from the Fight Society podcast with our buddy Damon Morton. Yeah, I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, we did the tough blog together when he was on that season, and which I was happy to do. I don't know if he thinks I like stopped interviewing because I didn't care, or I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what he's talking about. Um, certainly, I have no animosity towards him, but. Um, uh, he didn't really give a great explanation of what it is I exactly did or what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I'd be happy to talk to him. I'm in contact with his manager, so maybe something will work itself out. I hope it does. But, um, you know, look, he is a guy who's on a mission, and some of these guys can, you know, uh, maybe he's got a point. I don't know exactly what it is at this moment that I'm speaking to you now, but um, these guys, they get salty and they get, angry and they get you know committed and driven and um maybe it's part of that and they can make sometimes some unusual decisions or maybe i did something i'm not i can't remember what it is i don't i don't know that that's true but i, I can't rule it out so we'll see we'll see but i don't have an animosity towards them and it's certainly not going to affect my coverage of them i i think he did looked awesome on saturday and i devoted the monday morning analyst almost an hour long to him because i was blown away by how good it was so you know, if that doesn't like convince someone way or the other, that's fine. It wasn't intended to. It's just I'm going to do the coverage, and if something good happens, great. If it doesn't, like, you know, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, but I'd be happy to hear out what what perceived issue it actually is. Uh, okay, this is the last one we'll do. All right, Trump's win over Clinton in MMA metaphors. I know this chat is about politics, but if you were to break down Trump's win versus Hillary as an MMA fight, how would you do it? The first thought I had, I don't think this is quite right, but the first thought I had was something like Sarah versus GSP. But now I'm thinking it's more like McGregor versus Aldo. <laughs> right? It's like, we told you this was coming. We told you it was coming. And then when it came, it came like a, you know, like a thief in the night. Boom. Uh, yeah, so I'll go with that. I'll go with McGregor over Aldo, you know. But McGregor was beloved, and that's not quite right either. You know, Trump is literally the most reviled candidate in history, uh, with the highest negatives, even higher than hers, uh, in terms of you know voter sentiment. But so that part's not quite right. But polarizing, let's say. 
Someone says home versus Rousey for the shock factor. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that. Good question here. Uh, what's next for RDA? Dos Anjos now has a loss to the champ at 155 and two possible contenders to challenge for the title. How far away is RDA from another title shot after that loss? Do you see him ever getting back into the picture? Well, he's certainly not in the picture now. I'm not sure where else has said this previously, but I've, I fundamentally believe that if you are in a title fight and if you don't, if you lose because it's controversial or if you lose because some sort of weird event, that's one thing. However, if you get stopped, if you get submitted, if you get um, TKO'd, I'm not saying you should take like an easy fight next, but I, I, I would argue that there's a case to be made to have a tune-up of some kind. Uh, some kind of way to stay on the winning track to get back to business, especially if you're in the middle of a camp change. Right. If you're in the middle of a camp change, you should not be fighting number one contenders, which is really interesting, by the way, because if you've noticed who else is changing camps for this fight in a very prominent way, uh, it's Ian Jacek. And no one has talked about it in any kind of negative way. Now, there's no reason to. You know, I think the belief that we had with RDA was that moving away from Cordero was a downgrade. Like wherever he was going, it wasn't going to be that. Um, so there was some skepticism about that. Right. But uh, nevertheless, changing camps can be difficult. There are some uh, challenges associated with it. Mola Wallace told me when you change camps, that's the guy who's changed them a number of times. You know, it can take two to three camps before you really begin to see the benefit or to see the two, uh, you know, mesh in an appropriate way. There's Dave Mandel from Sherdog. What's up, man? Let's see who's around here. Jim Jania, yeah, like a beast, right? It's a who's who out here. Uh, lots of media in attendance. TMZ is here, which is fun. They're actually, good guys on the ground. Okay. Rick Lee is here. What's up, Rick? Hey, little bud. I know. You want to say hi to people in my live yes. chat? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> This is on MMA fighting. Say hi. What's up, guys? This guy's the man right here. You guys are blessed with this guy right here. Oh, that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dude. All right. Uh, okay. So, RDA's guys work cut out for him. It's the long story short. Uh, oh, good question. Ferguson's multiple division championship comment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, fighters are going to pursue multiple titles now. What do you think of it? Well, pursuing them and getting to a position where it's even a reasonable possibility are two potentially different things. But look, you guys know how this works, right? Anderson Silva throws a front kick up to the jaw of Vitor Belfort. You sort of democratize and popularize these unorthodox techniques. This is the same for business strategy as well. Connor's out there making it look like you can actually do these things. Uh, a little bit easier than it actually is because that's Connor, but... Um, you get the idea. And so now people are watching and they're saying, hmm. it's like the NFL. It's a copycat league, man. You see one thing, you want to follow it along. So there we go. All right, let's see what else. Oh, good question. He didn't, this is about John Jones. He didn't look great against OSP after a 15 month break. Are you leaving? I'm leaving. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
You want to say hi to the listeners? You have to, come, you have to be actually be in the frame. This is my producer, Marissa, for SiriusXM. Executive producer. She She's the one who bets all the underdogs. That's me. Yeah. Ten in a row. There you go. <laughs> Got that Hillary Clinton vote wrong, though, didn't you? <laughs> that was my, my worst. She wasn't even the dog. I don't nope. bet, I don't bet uh, favorites. Nope. <sighs> Got that one wrong. All right. Um, <laughs> so now, back to John Jones. You didn't look great against OSP after a 15-month break. With another 15 months on top of that, maybe more. Do you think he'll ever be as good as the fighter he was on top of his game? Someone made this point to me earlier, like, oh, I don't think he'll ever be the same again. And I'm not prepared to say that. However, what I am prepared to say is it's worth considering. It's worth considering. It's something you cannot discount at this point. Uh, the time off is going to be problematic. It's not like he's, like, laying around doing nothing. Nevertheless, it's still an issue. Although I still believe the so-so performance against OSP was more of a function of the last minute opponent change. We've still seen that affect a lot of guys. Some guys don't show it as well, or they don't make it look like it's that much of an issue, but um, it can be, and often is. Uh, can he maintain and develop his level while he's out? Maintain in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. Um, yeah, later. He can, he can still be really good. He can still be champion again, potentially, but there is a question about what you've lost without that competition schedule uh and would you who'd you put him in his comeback aj dc winner no i would give him a top 10 guy honestly i mean it stripped him of the belt who cares anymore and it was an interim belt i understand but i'm just saying like who cares is ufc potentially in trouble look with the two biggest events of the year coming up 205 and 207 the ufc is set to make a ton of money Yes, they are. But I can't help think beyond that and wonder if they may be in trouble pending a certain outcome of both main events. With previous draws like Anderson Silva, GSP, and John Jones either out or retired, could the UFC be in trouble if both Ronda and Connor were to lose? They both have recently hinted at stepping away, and surely a loss, especially by stoppage, would ensure that, at least for Rousey. That's me adding the Rousey part. What are your thoughts on this, and do you think what... What do you think happens to the UFC if they both were to lose and step away? Also, what would this mean for the new owners as far as them making their profits? Well, it's a very real possibility. And it's crazy. Like 205 and 207, one wonders if that's the bookend to a nice long run that might be coming to an end for the UFC. Now, I'm not predicting doom and gloom, but like this high watermark, one wonders if we might go back to a more uh, you know, normalized level. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I... I I think this is why they're they haven't cut CM Punk. Uh, I know that they had. I can tell you that they. I know for a fact that they had interest in having John on a February card until this whole thing happened. Now that's gone. You know, um, it's going to be interesting. And if Connor wins both belts and then doesn't defend them, what does that mean? There is an extraordinary amount of uncertainty ahead of us, uh, which, in some levels, it calls for concern. In another level, it's not. But. There's quite a bit that has to be answered for here. So I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. And this is partly why like cutting back the number of shows likely has some value, irrespective of that. Like Even if they were Connor and Ronda were staying, there's probably an argument to me to be trimmed the fat, but like this raises the need for that significantly. Um, they have to do whatever they can to 
events that will produce buzz. You know, to the point they can get a million buys, and there's not many guys that can do that. And so you you can understand why they're going to put. And it's going to be on 207, but like you can understand why they're going to put a Garbrandt and a and a cruise together, and uh, you know why why they make some of the decisions about guys jumping the, the contendership queue. They they're going to have to just be very resourceful in how they do that. But if if you have concerns about the you know the business tanking, I don't think that's fair. If you have a concern that like this abnormal high we've been enjoying might be coming to an end. I think that is more than fair. I've been telling you guys, this is a for the throughout the twentieth century, even as Valley Tudo and other HB, it's a boom and bust sport. It, it always has been. Combat sport or uh, boxing is the same way. It's boom and bust. And to the extent you have stars, you can boom it up. And to the extent you don't, you can't. And everyone tries to make these sweeping generalizations about the sport themselves. And some of those are fine critiques, but a lot of that is just a function of do you have stars? And you can say, well, why don't you have stars? That could lead to an issue about more sweeping claims about the sport itself. But um, if you don't have stars, you you have struggles. That's it's a star-driven sport. That's just the way we're we're, we're going. So I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> they got their work cut out for them, to put it mildly. Okay, this person says you thought it was in their right to give John a maximum sentence because of what uh, Jones was at fault because of what he didn't do more than what he did do, right? He didn't disclose, okay? NSC would also be within their right to give him a maximum sentence of two years. Technically, that's true. What is your gut feeling? Do you think we will not see John until 2018? That is my gut feeling. I, I, I find the idea that they're just going to be lenient. Hard to swallow. I... I Boy, I would love to be wrong. Uh, please, uh, I'm not declaring that I. They're affirmatively not going to do that. I don't, you know, it's all uh, a function of uncertainty. But I, when have they ever shown leniency? They might suggest something and then roll themselves back on it. But when do they take their standard and then just roll that back? Like very rarely, especially if he tries to uh, marshal any kind of defense. Like if he goes in there completely contrite, we'll see. Maybe. There might be a possibility there. But if he's at all combative by their standards anyway, uh, God, who knows? Who really knows, man? He, if, if I'm a fan, I'm expecting him to get two years. And then... You know, or certainly more than a year. So we'll see. Look how many Americans are projected to, <laughs> to move to Canada. None. They're all liars. Luke, what kind of advice or words of comfort can you give to parts of the nation that are clearly hurting right now after a Trump victory? Uh, words of advice. Vote. And uh, someone wrote man up.
There's actually a pretty good comment here from Pat D2. You can read his comment and go from there. Here's my words of advice. Just accept it. Accept it. That's the best advice I can give you. Good question. Tony Ferguson's hit ability. Not his ability to hit, his ability to be hit. While Tony looked good in his showing against RDA, he also showed yet again that he is very susceptible to being hit. Do you think that his unorthodox style is enough to overcome that susceptibility in a fight with someone like Connor or Eddie? I have concerns about it too, right? I mean, that unpredictability that he uses, the unorthodox entries to things, the non-linear attacks, uh, all of it is makes for really potent offense, but it also makes for a really hard to manage uh, defense. You know, and if you go back and I showed you in clear moments, there was times when he would switch stance to a combination and throw a left hook, and it would be just like we just wing it when there was no one close because he can cover a lot of distance, and he would literally be like turned over his shoulder, and RDA would be back there. Like, you go back and watch the Ivan Ivan uh, Butchinger fight, where McGregor won the two titles in uh, Cage Warriors. You know, it wasn't exactly the same, but the point was he was the punch slid past, and then he comes over the top. Boy, he would chew Tony up if they had a situation similar to that. Now, maybe Tony fights him very differently. I don't know. But, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of positive things to say about Tony's game, and we should say them, and they should be noted. It's also true he's got, like any other fighter, he's got some flaws, and those should be noted as well. Um, obviously, the good parts are good enough where he's on a nine-freaking-fight win streak. So they're not some tremendous liability, but at the highest level, as each level you go up, there's just less and less room for error. And I think a disciplined Tony could avoid those mistakes. Could a disciplined Tony be himself? You know, that's just impossible to say, really. It's impossible to say. Okay, true or false? McGregor's cardio will be better at lightweight than it was at either featherweight or welterweight. I'll say false. I'll say it'll be about the same as it was at welterweight. Wonderboy's ability to control distance is more effective than Woodley's ability to rapidly close the distance. Probably true. Despite Yoel Romero's Olympic credentials, Chris Weidman is still the better, more consistent MMA wrestler. Better, no. More consistent, yes. Habib will have to finish Michael Johnson in impressive fashion to get a title shot. Good question. I asked Habib the same thing. He thinks he doesn't have to. But of course, you know, he's not planning on being unimpressive. But uh, I think Habib's probably right that he doesn't have to. Now, whether you agree with that's a different matter. But he's. I just feel like he's the clubhouse leader if he doesn't lose his grip on it. Tony Ferguson has the best chin in cardio in the lightweight division. That's probably true. His cardio, I mean, do you understand? Tony Ferguson and Rafael dos Anjos were fighting over a mile into the sky. And I think produced, in the case of Ferguson, more offensive output than McGregor did against Diaz. The second fight. That is shocking. Like, that is an insane level of cardio. The pacing of last weekend's FS1 card was typically abysmal and needs to be corrected immediately. The answer to that is yes. In fairness, Bellator's pacing on that Friday night was Basora. It was terrible. 
John Jones's punishment from the NSAC is likely yeah. to be more harsh yeah. than the one or harsher, as you're right, than the one he received from USADA. I think that's true. Phil Davis has the most effective grappling ability from top position in MMA. In the light heavyweight division, yes. His ability, if you see guys, have you seen how he rides him out and how he sticks either on either side one leg out, and that allows him to sit up but keep his weight down at the same time, right? Because what you want to do is you want to put your weight down, but you want to be able to be mobile at the same time. You want to be able to balance and turn. And he can sit to submissions that way. He can sort of look down. He can he can ride back to knee on belly if he needs. He, it just gives him this mobility and the weight at the same time because he has a vertical spine. Um, in the light heavyweight division, yeah, the answer to that is yes. It's incredible that at first, okay, I can't do any more election questions. Create a fighter, all right? Look, if you were to create the perfect offensive fighter using attributes of other fighters, who would you choose and why? For example, striking, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. Jiu -jitsu. He's got Stephen Thompson, Habib, Charles Oliveira. I would, that's a good one with Habib. Depends on the weight class, right? Um, if you're talking heavier weights, I would pick like wrestling of Daniel Cormier. Um, striking of Anderson Silva in his prime. Jiu-jitsu of... I always thought Marilla Bustamante had really good jiu-jitsu. Uh, you can even say like the offensive jiu-jitsu of Charles Oliveira, the defensive jiu-jitsu of... Um, you know, Nate Diaz, right? Like the Diaz brothers' guards are hard to pass. They're super hard to pass. That kind of thing, you know. Whereas Oliveira's getting out, out here getting guillotined. Um, Cole Miller, I also think, has pretty good jujitsu too. Uh, marijuana legal, <laughs> marijuana legal in Nevada and California. You guys are asking for advice. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to smoke weed, but I'm not going to tell you to not smoke weed. So I saw people voted for the legal thing in some states, including Nevada. Will this mean they are not testing for this anymore? Completely different. It may not be criminalized by the state government, but that doesn't mean that um, USADA or the state itself doesn't think that there might be some issues related to whether or not um, it's something you want to allow for in regulated combat, right? Consider alcohol is not illegal, but you can't show up to the cage drunk. So, no. Let's see here. Okay, rapid fire 205 predictions, top to bottom. Okay, I reserve the right to change my mind. Uh, Alvarez versus Connor, I will lean Connor. Tyron Woodley versus Thompson, I will lean Thompson. Ian Jacek versus Kovalkiewicz, I lean Ian Jacek. Weidman Romero, I lean Weidman. But that one, I'm, there we go. Oh, look at that. It's the one and only Mark Ramundi. Here we go, Mark. Hey, pull up a chair for a second. Help me on this, help me on this live chat. Do you know how this works? Have you ever seen one of these before? And what is this? This is the this is my loser live chat. Who are you? Uh, okay, let's do a couple of these. Okay. All right. So here's how it works. This is live. This is live. Oh. So we're doing rapid fire predictions, oh. top to bottom. Oh, I told them I reserve the right to change my pick. Okay. All right. So that's important. Here we know. go. Ready? So Alvarez, Connor, do you reserve the right to change your pick? Always. I usually like to wait until Friday. I want to see how they look at weigh-ins. I think that's an important important thing. No. It's no? pretty critical. All right. Alvarez yeah, versus Connor. Alvarez. Woodley Thompson. Thompson. 
You and Jacek Kovalkiewicz. Why am I doing this? Not you. This is your show. Come on. Uh, Young Jacek. Wyman Romero. Uh, Wyman. Did you see him drinking that water out there? Looks a little hurt, didn't he? I mean, that's a that's a bad weight cut. Wyman at two hundred five in twenty seventeen. I think I'm I'm thinking uh Wyman at light heavyweight. I I don't think that's great. Heavyweight, I don't know. Light heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gastelum Donald Cerrone. Mm, Cerrone. He looks big at welterweight. This is my first time seeing him at at 170. I don't even know. I mean, he should have been at 170. He might have been the champion there if he, if he was just there the entire career. Tate Pennington. Tate. Edgar Stevens. Edgar. Did you interview Jeremy Stevens out there? I did. Does he not look at the room like it's game seven? <laughs> the whole time? Nah, I didn't get that impression. He's got, he's got that bottom of the ninth Cubs you know, outfielder look. Actually, the, my favorite part of that, the McGregor video, the one who the F is that guy, that video, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Favorite one is just the look on Jeremy Stevens' face, like right after it happened, because you know, he has like the, just smell the smelly fart look. And I think uh, he was owned right right then and there. His natural state of look is he's looking at you like you just looked at his girlfriend's rear end. Like, he's, he is intense, man. All right. Uh, Ooh, he wrote Nurmagomedo, but it's Nurmagomedo <laughs> versus Michael Johnson. Uh, Habib. Hafel uh, Natal versus Tim Boach. Natal. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Vicente <laughs> Luque versus Bilal Muhammad, which is a good fight. That's a good fight. Uh, Muhammad. Miller Alves. Alves, but I, I definitely uh, am not sure about that one because it's his first fight at 155. I'm not sure how he's going to look at lightweight. And then Carmouche Chukagian. Chukagian. Really? Yeah. I think she's got potential. Mark Henry, pupil, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, real quickly before I send you off, which I'm about uh, to. All right, good. Uh, your impressions of the day's event. I have to say this. I thought Connor had a really great – he seemed to be in great spirits. Yeah. Um, people were telling me – No else, hard weight cut, certainly. No hard weight cut for him. No, he, he still looks pretty muscular too. Yeah. Dude, Eddie looks like he is carved from friggin' stone. stone. Crazy. He is, as my boy Louis Marco would say, dice to the socks. What was your big takeaway from the morning workouts? And then, of course, talking to everyone here. Give us, give the people some nuggets. Yeah, I, I probably would say like what you said about about McGregor just being in, in great spirits. Eddie looking incredible. I thought both women looked really good. I thought uh, both uh, mm-hmm. Kovalevich and Jonjec looked great on the mitts. I mean, I, I <laughs> Willie didn't seem to get too much love from the fans. Unfortunately, I, I was right there when he was like, "Who's got my back?" And everyone was like, yeah. "Wonder Boy." <laughs> The one thing, the one thing um, about that whole setup, and it was really cool being on the court and everything. I like that. But when I was doing the Facebook Live for MMA fighting, everyone was saying like, "Oh wow, they didn't get anyone to come because the backdrop is just an entire huge empty oh, arena." Yeah. So everyone, so everyone was saying, "Oh, it's embarrassing. No one showed up to the open workouts." No, oh, no. The, the, the crowd was fine. It was just in the in the back of the shot. They need to change that next time because it looks yeah. silly. It's a gigantic arena. Yeah, yeah. People weren't, uh, you know, working out, and then the entire spacious arena completely empty. It looked it looked no, not good. Asking, bad like, optics. People, bad. People, optics. people were like, "Was it full?" I was like, uh, "For the available seating, it right. was completely full." Right. Yeah. Also, a um, little nugget I heard um, breaking this uh, possibly not really a breaking news story, but uh, they're expecting twelve thousand people here for weigh-ins on Friday. Wow. So the uh, not sold out because they're not selling tickets, but all the tickets are gone for that. So twelve thousand people for weigh-ins. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Get out. Thanks, you do. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh yeah, plug that. What's gonna be on? Uh, I think we're doing a wrap up of uh, of today on Facebook Live. Maybe on YouTube. I'm not one hundred percent sure about Ariel Hawani myself and. The man in the hat, Chuck Mendenhall, will where, be. Where's Sean? 
Sean's at the office right now. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> what a loser in life. All right, thanks, dude. There we go. Rashad's medical. Could his failure to obtain a license be considered similar to a fighter overtraining, becoming injured in camp? No. Um, I am hearing that it's not actually related to his brain. That it's related to an old childhood injury that they're alarmed by. Um, the nature of it, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, I am told they've already booked another fight for him. So... I don't know against who, and I don't know against when, or or when. But I'm told that they, they, it's that's an announcement is imminent. So, so there you go, little bit, little little nugget for you. Okay, uh, good question. If Connor beats Eddie and vows to defend 145 and 155 alternately, should everyone be happy with that? So. Half yes, half no. Right, here's why. If he's going to remain active and actually try to like literally defend these belts against top contenders, that is an incredibly admirable thing. But we're talking about at least two times for each weight class a year. So that's four fights. When was the last time a champion defended their title in the UFC four times in a year? Defended it four times. Um, I can't remember, and certainly it's been a while. Moreover, when was the last time they did that two years in a row? Let's say if he manages to hold on to all of them. Right, it just feels deeply unrealistic, if at all, if even possible. So, like, like the the willingness to try it, I admire. Um, you know, the the skill it would take to do it, even if someone as skilled as him, any kind of injury could trip it up. Your opponent falls through. I mean, it's just too much. It's just too much. So, um, it's not like some sort of nightmare scenario, but it's not a great one. Okay. Um, Tony Ferguson has jumped to be in the lightweight rankings, which I 100% agree with. Do you think he'll be retakes his spot with the winner for Michael Johnson? Yes. Uh, next two fights for Connor, if and when he wins, should be Aldo and then Ferguson. I wouldn't be mad at it. I'll put it that way. Is Anderson Silva still a top 10 fighter? Uh, let's see. Probably not. Uh, I mean, meritoriously, not technically. So top 10 is Rockhold, Weidman, Souza, Romero, Musasi, Silva's at six, then Whitaker, Brunson. Yeah, okay, maybe bottom half of the top 10. That's fine. That's probably fine. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think I did that. That's crazy. This is the, this is the most ghetto live chat I've ever done. All right. Uh, how do you think Silva would do against a Musasi? Not great. Brunson, not great. And Whitaker, probably not great. Uh, but he could potentially win two of those three, I think. It's a good question. It didn't get wrecked, but I like it. Why are members of the media so offended at the narrative that the media was unfair to Ronda? Largely because it's not true. After she lost to Holly Holm, not one member of the media was giving her any sort of chance against Holly in a rematch. Okay. I'm not sure what that means. Are we supposed to if we don't feel that way? Um, is it really wrong to suggest that that seems like an unlikely possibility? Uh, also, 
analysis right after a fight is usually takes a while to even out to some more moderate ground. Um, and that was a shellacking, you know. There were literally some members of the media disregarding her as if she went from champion to tomato can overnight. Didn't list any examples. We had never seen anything impressive from Holly before or after, yet the media jumped on the bandwagon. Not listing any examples. The MMA media in general has always been petrified of criticizing fighters out of fear of the cliche response, well, bro, you're not a fighter, yet nobody has any problems criticizing Ronda and her chances of reclaiming the belt. Again, not listing any particular examples, but... Uh, I mean, we criticize everyone to varying degrees, and every site will do it differently. Every media outlet will do it differently. I can't speak for all of their editorial policies or um, product, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, the oddsmakers seem to like her chances in December, so good on her. Um, but I don't have a responsibility to be friendly to her. I have a responsibility to be professional, but I have a responsibility to you, right or wrong, to call it like I see it. And so I can only speak for myself. I don't, uh, I'm sure there's some things I got wrong about it. Like I get wrong about everything else, but I don't, I don't feel that my coverage to her was unfair. This notion of like, Oh, well, you know, we turned on her or that, you know, we were unfair to her. Like, Oh yeah. The word I think they used was turned on her. Like we're not friends, you know, we're not enemies, but we're not friends. Um, we have a responsibility to be very professional and polite and courteous, but we don't have a responsibility to like not say true things or to be candid or uh, thorough or anything else. And if they feel a certain way, even if they're wrong, that's the that's the ultimatum. So if you can identify particular examples, there, this might be fairly true, but I can only speak for myself. I don't feel like my Rousey coverage has been... Um, you know, unfair. And moreover, we're talking about someone who was presented as literally once ever who hangs up on media conference calls, who only talks to the media that ask fawning questions, which is absolutely her right, but you don't get to, I mean, there's no free lunch, right? If you avoid critical questions or questions that you don't want to answer, that's fine. You don't have enough responsibility to answer them, but that doesn't make them go away. Like they still exist somewhere. And it's not just questions we're asking, it's questions that anyone in our position would ask. In other words, you sub me out, you put someone in, you're generally going to get a lot of the same questions, right? I know it's fashionable, especially today, to criticize the media and uh, in this particular day. It's probably some f f justly deserved to some extent, but, um, you know, someone who has had the real-time hay geography that Rossi has enjoyed has little cause to complain about the media being unfair to her. They've been on. They've been unfair to her in the sense that they have talked about her as this feminist icon, as this model of perfection. That's not fair to her either because, you know, some of that stuff's pretty debatable as well. You know, when the positive stuff was coming down that was barely true, I didn't hear her complaining. I only heard her complain that when the negative stuff that was maybe had a tenuous overlap with reality, that's when I heard the complaining. Mm, you know, either you're interested in true and reasonable and middle-of-the-road coverage or you're not. I'm not sure what to say. Hey, Luke, Kenny was on the MMA Hour, and it was brought up that he hasn't been commentating lately. Do you, What do you think is his last event that he commented, commented, commentated was? I don't know. What do you think he is in getting more events of late? Um, seems to be like Fox Sports 1's trying out different figures. They tried out Cormier. They tried out Cruz. 
who knows if they might continue to try other ones. The Brian Stan's been a, a revelation for them. Uh, I think Kenny's a little bit personally. I like Kenny as a commentator. I think he's a little bit better in that studio capacity, but it's it appears that there's competition for that job now, and uh, it's going to be harder for everyone to get the time that they want. It's the way of the world, man. It's hard. hard staying on top is hard. Uh, fight for Chael in Bellator. Of course, other than Tito, everybody wants to see the Vanderlei fight. How do you feel about these matchups? Rampage? Like it. Rory? Maybe. Phil Davis? Ed Ruth? I actually do kind of like that one. Uh, face the Pain, Luke. What did you think about Tim Bissell's story of Face the Pain? of UFC broadcasts and it's really good and you should really read it and it's it's great it's it's like a really good piece of, of work I really enjoyed it actually I still hate that song don't get me wrong but uh, you know it's good MMA write-ins who wrote in a vote for the likes of Brian Stan or Tim Kennedy I don't know but I wonder if there's a way to figure that out like is there anyone who measures all write-ins across the country I'd be curious to know. Hey, Luke, why don't you and Ariel start a fighters union? Because that would not be journalism. Uh, let's see. MMA fighting crew. Almost all the MMA fighting crew seem to be in New York this week. A bunch have already left. Is there a limit to the amount of media from one organization permitted to the event as part of the press? Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's like, they only have so many spots for all media. Like, uh, you know, you guys only have so much appetite. How much can we really produce on YouTube, on Facebook, on the site itself? And how many people can you get into the building? It can be, you know, there are some limits to it, but we're going to push up against all of them. <laughs> like, we're not we're not going to lack for content this week. So, yeah. Any sign of the notorious phantom rolling around Manhattan? I have not seen it, but I have not been outside very much. I'm sad to report. Uh, where the F is the morning report? Uh, I believe Jed was traveling and had some difficulty getting all that done on time. So it'll be back tomorrow. Don't worry. Uh, look who you got, Weidman or Romero? Eileen Weidman, but I think Romero is... Mm, we'll see. Do all champions get the same rate of pay-per-view points? No. That can vary. I mean, there's that can vary significantly. Um, and again, someone's asking about like how does this compare to UFC 200? This just feels way more organic. This feels way more alive. This feels way more to borrow from Artem Lobov flowy. It just has a rhythm to it that is just much better. Uh, true or false? Given the opportunity, I would ball hard with the windows down in McGregor's new notorious Rolls Royce. I would like to, I've never been inside of a Rolls Royce, so I would go for that, but I mean, it's got another dude and the word notorious written across it. I, I, I don't know how much use I have for that. Uh, Connor saying there's nothing left. In the presser a few weeks ago, Connor said that after his win, he may have to call out Mayweather because he doesn't know who else is at, left out there to fight. Is that a sign of disrespect? No. No, this is the same argument about like whether he's cleaned out featherweight, and he hasn't. But part of what it means to clean out something is not merely like can you go through a checklist 
like if John Jones had stuck around and he had fought Gustafson again, Cormier again, and maybe fought Rumble, and he had won those, presumably that that really would be it. Like that would be that would be cleaning it out completely. Or even if you don't want to give those two rematches, beating Anthony Johnson puts you pretty close to the argument too. But because of all of this happening, he's not uh, anywhere really close. So at the moment, anyway. Um, but part of it is not merely like. Again, have you beat this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy? It's also this sort of perception. And I think that's where Conor McGregor is really actually quite successful. He has created this impression because of the way he came up and who he beat, and particularly in culminating Jose Aldo, that it was this crescendo. And it was in a lot of ways, right? Um, that you don't feel like anyone else has a shot. But the argument about cleaning out is not whether or not you or I feel like X has a chance against Y. It is Y doing the work like definitively answering it. That's the issue, right? Oh, I don't think any of those guys would beat Conor McGregor. You might be right. I might agree with you. That's not the point. If we just assume that someone doesn't have a chance, we just never make the fights. What's the point of doing this? You know, I don't think Holloway would beat Conor a second time. Really? I, I mean, maybe you're right, but like that needs to happen. Uh, there's a guy out there who, who has a, 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 it's not like, Everything is like, oh, how marketable would it be? How much do I really care to see it? Versus um, to what extent did this guy earn a shot at that opportunity? And if, if Holloway beats Pettis and does it pretty cleanly, like, what are you supposed to say at that point? Like, he deserves that. And if he doesn't want to go to 145 because of weight concerns, no problem. No, no argument. It's his choice a thousand percent. But I, I, I think that needs to be said. Uh, it's 310. I'd like to go to the Twitter machine now if we can. Uh, now you have a problem with how money is spent that doesn't belong to you. I mean, I'm allowed to comment on ugly cars. I mean, they can do whatever they want with it, but I don't have to like it. Uh, okay. So does this mean that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the new permanent host of Celebrity Apprentice? I think. I don't know. Any inside scoop on McGregor's big announcement or any thought of what it could be? I do not have any scoops related to that. Uh, would you do an interview on my flight blog, fight blog if I email you some questions? Yes. Can McGeary make adjustments you need to beat Phil Davis in any rematch? It's a lot of adjustments. Do you think UFC 205 tops any other UFC card in history? I do. Which other card was the pinnacle? In a previous generation, it was the Pride Body Blow card. You could maybe go, you know, 166 was a lot of fun. Um and some other ones you could pick, of course. Who do you think beats Rousey in her division? I, until we see her against Amanda Nunes, it's impossible to answer at this point. Any update on Rashad's case? I just gave one. Why are analysts stating car Eddie's cardio is great when if you watch his fights, it's really not? Seems a myth to me. Um, I don't think that you he has like... Tony Ferguson cardio, but he's been five rounds and um, and won those fifth rounds before. You know, this is not like cardio that is a tremendous liability. I don't think he has super awesome, amazing cardio, but I don't think it's a liability for him. Can only do so many of these. 
When do you think we see the UFC have a card as stacked as UFC 205 again? Let's see who's around in 2017 before we can answer that. I mean, you need and, and and it might be a while. Like this is a unique moment in time, right? They're coming to a market for the well, not the first time, but the first time in this era, and they're doing it at the hottest time for the sport with one of the biggest, if not the biggest star. It's just this confluence of events. I don't know when they're going to reach another point like that, if ever. Oh, what's up with the start time? The start time for UFC 205 doesn't change. It's the end time because there's six fights on the main card. Do you think Dana White's support of Trump will cause problems for a fighters union in court? I don't even know what... No. No. Look, how do you get your beard on point every time? Genetics. Uh... Biggest surprise so far from UFC 205 week, positive or negative? Ooh, biggest surprise. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm pleasantly surprised by the amount of media here. Like I expected a lot, but now seeing it, it's it's pretty good. Um, you know, nothing comes close to nothing. Has, nothing comes close to um, Pacquiao Mayweather, but. This is, this is pretty great. Uh, oh, you know what? I think my biggest surprise is just to see how much New York City and this event feel together. Remember, I told you before you come and you, you didn't even realize there's an event taking place in the town. Not the case here. Like this, I, I guess I am surprised. I, when I got the train first, I got the train. So there's two train stations in New York City. There's Grand Central. It's on the east side. There's Penn Station. It's on the west side. And Penn Station is right underneath Madison Square Garden. I got out of there. And the first thing I saw was this giant screen with McGregor on it. I couldn't believe it. It was like the first thing I saw. I was shocked, you know. Um, I think that surprised me a little bit. Like I was expecting, you know, to see billboards and stuff around town and to occasionally hear things about it. But it's been been pretty consistent. Who do you think Tim Kennedy fights next? Maybe the winner of Brunson, excuse me, uh, the winner of Brunson versus Whitaker or the winner of Musasi Hall? Something like that. How impressed were you with Phil Davis? You know, in a way that I was, like, as I mentioned before, that that mobility and 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 strength and uh, control from Mount was like exceptional. On the other hand, and he's got you know his kicks are surprisingly tricky. On the other hand, it's like, did he really show us anything in the last year that would make you say? You know, he took giant leaps in scale or like he re, he, made, he turned a real corner in the things that he wasn't good at before. Like, I feel like he's gotten better at all things he was already good at. I don't feel like he got good at a whole lot of new things. Um, now, what he's good at is good enough to win a title in Bellator. And Liam McGeary is no slouch, but I don't know. There's more to be done. There's Gareth being weird. Gareth, say hello to the listeners. Hello, listeners. How are you doing? Now, 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 Luke's got a lovely American voice, but of course, I've got a lovely British voice. How would you We're describe lovely, your accent? You're looking at two lovely men here right now, yeah? How would you describe it's your romance. accent? How would I describe my accent? Like London? No, no, I, I speak, um, I went to public school, which is private school, which doesn't make a lot of sense to you, I know. No, so no. I, I speak, I would say radio English, fairly southern standard radio English. What do you speak? Are you uh, hick? Are, uh, you, are, you like a, are you like someone out of deliverance? 
I don't play the banjo, but I'm like mid-Atlantic. <laughs> no, you got a great accent. No, I thought you were Washington. Yeah, I am. Yeah, but I, I have a little bit of that. I've got a little bit of stuff. I'm sorry for um, bombing your video at this point. You're not, but that's okay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right, let's see. Uh, thoughts on the farce of stripping Jones a second time? I mean, this dude's just getting stripped as much as he's winning them. Is America great again? Uh, not yet. Give it time. Should the UFC have moved the pay-per-view starting time up an hour? It's potentially a longer show in an East Coast city. I would have liked it when they did in the past. It didn't go all that well for them. Are you worried? Oh, God. Jesus, a thousand election questions. Uh, is WME IMG showing a strong overt presence in New York this fight week? Is WME? No. Is the UFC? Yeah. How do you feel about a stacked 205 card knowing the next couple cards are severely watered down? I will take a card of this magnitude if it means that. I think most fans would feel that way. Uh, I thought you saw it implemented a two-year ban for first-time offenders, not on what's called specified substances, which is what John popped for. Um, that only carries a one-year ban because it's believed that it either doesn't have a necessarily a direct sporting uh, performance enhancement context or that it can enter your body in these commonly inadvertent ways. So, so no. How is the new Lamb of God song? I have not heard it yet. How big of an effect do you think the change of camps had on RDA? I think it had a big one. I'm not saying that he hadn't changed camps, he would have just rolled over Tony Ferguson. I'm not saying that, but it's it's worth acknowledging. What do you think about the NYSAC pulling Rashad? So the context there is that you, you know they've got this boxer who nearly died. Um, Habib was talking about him earlier. He went and visited him. It's just an extraordinary abundance of caution. I'm not sure really what to say about it. Um, it is, uh, you know, K Kennedy was talking about the medicals being five to ten grand. Well, it's not really that they were expensive for the, the same things I did in previous commission jurisdictions. It's that there's more of them. And so they, they I think, are very jittery. You know, look at the insurance policies they put in place that are, like, forcing promoters out of the state. Like, I think they're at a point now where they're happy to have less of it in the state. Not forever, but right now for sure. They just want to have whatever's here. They want to be able to say, we have this super tightly regulated. And I... You know, that's that's just the way it goes for now here anyway. Everyone's like, oh, is is New York going to be like the new Vegas? And I'm like, no, no chance. No chance, Lance. They don't they're not going to be able to put enough shows on here to make it worth their while. And the commission here at the moment isn't, you know, I don't think unfairly necessarily, but I can understand their position. But it's super heavy handed, super heavy handed. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, a bunch of these. Isn't it funny that both Jones and Romero, who, quote, got away with contaminated supplements, are represented by Kawa? Jones didn't get away. Before Jones ever went to arbitration, he was facing a year. He didn't get away with anything. Middleweight excitement. Any technical holes in Musasi's game which could keep him from getting the belt? I mean, no fighter is perfect. Um, in terms of in terms of uh, Hall, I think you know, uh, getting in his face, backing him up, 
you know, being mindful of any kind of spin attacks, which is what got him in trouble in the first place. This is very generic analysis. You know, if he's mindful of that, but he likes to push forward behind the jab, I think he'll be fine doing that, honestly. Let's look at a couple more of these. That was Ariel back there. Ariel, can you say hi for like two seconds? You've been requested. Yeah, it's live. Oh, this is the live chat? Yeah, yeah, right here. What's up? So you got you got requested. Oh, I thought you just wanted me on. I do. Hey, look at this guy. Dude, how many pictures do you take a, a, per event? Um, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Listen, I'm not here to talk about uh, my fame, my popularity. Let's talk politics. No, let's not talk okay, politics. <laughs> Real quickly, uh, I asked Mark the same thing. Mm -hmm. Biggest takeaway from today's event. So me, it was like Connor's like really good mood, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, Habib is salty. Very. <laughs> what, what were your takeaways? Uh, Connor isn't a great basketball player, but can still make a shot. I, I that. thought that was very impressive. He made a shot, one and done, and then walked off. Um, and then Dylan Dennis missed, by the way. Did he? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Dylan, come over here. He's right over there. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned the Habib thing. Uh, I thought it was fascinating talking to Cowboy Cerrone about Donald Trump. To be honest what with you, this is good, you don't have to give away. Yeah, Bill. no, he's 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 very happy. I mean, yeah. he's he's a staunch uh, Donald Trump supporter. Did and you then, ask him about like like I support unions, but absolutely, we did talk about that. Okay. And and he was just like, look, uh, I I I think it's good. And but, but the most interesting thing was that he's like, I said you've always been a company guy, but now you're a union guy. Did something click? something change in your mind mm -hmm. did you realize that wait i might be out of a job at some point in the future and i'm gonna have nothing to show for it and, and he kind of smiled and in so many words acknowledged that, that he did have that revelation um it was interesting talking oh you know it was interesting talking to tiago alves who's making his debut at 155 and is no longer working with mike dolce and as of a month ago i was told that they were working together and i thought that was very interesting as well for a guy who's moving down he's been with them he i think he was dolce's like First client or, mm -hmm. or second, and he has a history of missing weight even at 170. He told me he was uh, 170 today, right now. So he's got 15 pounds to go. It's not terrible. What what is it? Uh, 48 hours away. Let no, because it's the morning. So less that's right, less than 48 hours. So yeah. Wow. How's the, how's the new the, the youngin? Yes. So I'm now a father of three, and uh, we're actually packing our car right now, going to move back to town. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Have you gotten any? Uh, Okay, let me ask you an honest question. Right. Has it been hard for you to just focus, yeah. regardless of how you feel? I mean, just something historic happened, right? Yeah. Something it's, it's sort of seismic in this country. I don't want to call covering MMA trivial because I think people are going into a cage and punching each other. It's not trivial. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's very kind of scary and serious and dangerous. But does it feel weird just sort of going on? Yeah. Yeah, my wife is distraught. Uh, obviously, they're, you know, immigrants. And... Uh, I wouldn't call myself distraught, at least not yet, but it. I, I talked to all the journalists here, and they're all like, after last night's election, they were like, you know, either they, even if they were supportive of it, they were still shocked. Yeah. It's been a little bit hard to like turn the corner. I'm actually looking forward now. I mean, when I woke up this morning, I was like, but now I'm kind of looking forward to Saturday as a means of just at least it's temporarily putting it in the rearview mirror. Sports are the best escape. This is kind of the perfect antidote to all of this. Um, but I wish it was like a day in between. Yeah. For us to kind of like taking the train in to Penn Station today, it was a very strange it a vibe. It was super quiet. I actually saw one uh, young kid, maybe twenty years old, wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat, and I was like, Ballsy. "You, <laughs> you, uh, you brave soul! Well done!" Wow. So yeah. Well, DC went ninety-four percent for Clinton. I didn't vote, uh, but my wife was telling me like everyone in DC is like, 
this this morning. I can tell you, I can hear people walking up and down Seventh uh, Avenue. You know, I can hear just Trump whispers and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Like it's. Look, I know people don't like when we get political, but yeah. this is. Um, How do you not? Yeah, like I mean, like, you can't just ignore it. And also, I thought it was um, interesting. Michael David Smith, our former colleague yeah. at, at, at MMA Fan House, mentioned like when you win a championship, like the big thing that you get to do is go to the White House, yeah. right? So there is a connection between sports and politics. Really and who knows, Donald Trump, given his connection to Dana White and given his connection to the sport, maybe he starts to invite a Conor McGregor to meet him after winning a big fight. Can you fight. believe that? Can you imagine? Maybe it's a good thing for MMA. You know it certainly what? won't be a good thing for the Ali Act, I can assure you of that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, real quickly, plug, uh, what, who, who do you have uh, interviews with today? Okay, so today we spoke to Khabib Nurmagomedov, Cowboy Cerrone, Tiago Alves, Chris Weidman, mm -hmm. And um, who's that first guy? Oh, oh, Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens, who I thought was super interesting, um, did not want to run with the whole nope. Connor thing. And and if I'm being honest, I think that's that's a blunder on his part. I would run with that bad boy. He has him and his manager just don't want to do it. I, I mean, if you're going to put yourself out there and call him out on the spot, I know. he claims that he had no idea that it was mentioned on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Like, like you were the first person who told him? Yeah, he said he had no idea. Yeah, I don't bother. <laughs> All right, I got to wrap this okay. up. Thank you, buddy. Pleasure. And congrats again. Thank you. Watch his interviews. Yes. Okay, so let's do this. We had Ariel on the show. We had my producer, Marissa. We had Rick. We had uh, Gareth. We had a lot of people on the show today. So check out all of their work as well. I will take uno mas, and then we'll move on. Annex comments on McGregor. What do you think about John Annex comments that if he beats Eddie Alvarez, he could say I'm taking a year off and come back and command 35 or 40 million to fight? Probably. At that point, he'd have him eating out of his palm, especially given the previous question, is there who, who, who could possibly take his place? Okay, let's do this. I'm going to go. I appreciate everyone's watching, especially on a crazy day like this. Thank you for putting up with everything here. And uh, check out the interviews on MMA Fighting. It'll be out later. Uh, Luke Thomas shows at 4 p.m. We got Coach Mark Henry and a bunch of other people. It should be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, tomorrow it's going to be madness. Friday's going to be madness. Saturday, the fights are almost here. We're almost here. Stay tuned for more coverage from MMA Fighting. Subscribe, like the video, share it around. And until next time, stay frosty. <laughs>